Hello there, long time no see. In case you don't remember, it's me, Corval. And today I'm hosting DeFi Tuesday. It's gonna be a really great one, guys. We got the curve exploit we're gonna talk about. We're gonna run you through that. We're gonna talk about bald, you know, what happened over with the bald chain. And uh, we'll break down Radiant, and we're also gonna explore possibly the downfall of Richard Hart, fan friend of the show, Richard Hart, what's happening with him in the SEC. So hope you guys stick around. It's gonna be fantastic great time and Emmett let's start the show man hello guys it's me Corval here today's show would not be possible without our sponsor Shimmer Network just as a reminder Shimmer is a DAG based feeless layer one network that's both fast and highly scalable you can learn more about them at shimmer.network Hello, gentlemen. I forgot to mention in the intro, we have JT down here in the bottom of the screen, uh, a smart contract, EVM. He lives in the EVM, and he knows a lot about Viper. He's going to help us with the curve stuff. And uh, if you guys remember, Charles. <laughs> Charles. I hope so. <laughs> it's only yeah, been man. a couple weeks. What's up? What's up? It's been, been, uh, I've been good. I've been good. I'm in a new city for a month um i'm living with some friends of mine in a house just for party some house. yeah party house, Charles, crazy party. no um <laughs> yeah no it's just house. a reading books. bit of a yeah <laughs> exactly uh yeah so uh i i had to move some stuff around but i'm here now and um yeah what a couple days i i don't know i've been like slightly offline well that's not true but I haven't really been able to do any like work or research mm -hmm. um, for the past couple of days. And like what what a couple of days to kind of take off in a sense. Yeah. Is, um, what this... a couple of days to be out of it. But, you know, JT has really been in it. JT, how you doing, man? Yeah, doing good, man. It's been uh, it's been a pretty, pretty hectic couple of days. You know, the, the response and you know, pulling information together helping out people, you know, that, that maybe were affected by this kind of thing. Been, been pretty chaotic. Yeah. Yeah. You were mentioning it's so chaotic. One of the, the devs was at a wedding party debugging on his phone, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, P Conversaccio is a guy's guy's username. He's a, a absolute legend. This guy, he's like at a wedding party on his phone in the war room, debugging like exploit transactions. It is pretty amazing. That's wild. That's dedication, man. That's legendary. Yes, Someone should buy a beer or something. Yeah. But yeah, guys, let's get started here. Let's um so 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 what actually happened with curve, right? It's it's related to the Viper programming language, which is uh it's an EVM language, but it's not solidity. It's the one that people aren't familiar with, right, JT? Right. So uh Viper is pretty similar to Solidity. Um it's got a sort of Pythonic syntax to it, right? It just it looks a little bit different on the surface, but you know they're, they're doing the same core things. Now, um, a, a little bit of background on like what the actual exploit is. Uh, it's called reentrancy, and so you know basically you know smart contracts can call out to one another. Um, you know they can interact with one another's functions, right? And and you can have these like really complex uh, webs of, of 
calls to each other, mm -hmm. right? The reentrancy is whenever one contract calls out to another and that second contract calls back into the first, right? And mm -hmm. sometimes this can be used for good, right? Like if you've ever heard of flash loans, um, it's a pretty powerful uh, like financial tool. And that's, an, that's usually uh, relying on reentrancy, but it can yeah. also be used for bad, right? You'll see a lot of exploits in the wild are based on reentrancy. Mm -hmm. uh, now, the, the lowdown on, on what happened with this Viper thing is um, in Viper, you know, you have this, this lock, this reentrancy guard that you can put on your functions, right? And, and not, only, like, not only on individual functions, you can actually put groups of functions. So you can say like, you know, A, B, and C, you can't reenter into any of these at the same time, right? Like maybe this is like swap and like provide liquidity, right? Like you don't, you don't wanna be able to do either of those because maybe it breaks some kind of like accounting with, with uh, your DeFi protocol, right? So mm -hmm. um, the bug itself was like three distinct versions of Viper um, that basically whenever you tried to group functions together, under a same a single lock, they actually ended up with individual locks instead, mm. um, and so this allowed what's called cross-function reentrancy, where they might enter through you know function A and then re-enter through function B, and that should be stopped, but it wasn't. Ah, oh, interesting. Okay, so you know the short and sweet of it here, right? Is is basically, you know, people. So so Viper makes it easy to put in this reentrancy guard, right? But people are maybe misunderstanding uh, how it worked specifically, like the nuance of it, right? Uh, sort of. So it's um, like th there was an actual bug in in the compiler itself, right? Oh, okay. Like Zero Day was in like the way that it produces uh, the mm -hmm. final code. Um, yeah, I mean, it has been misused in the past, right? But that's like that's a protocol level exploit. This mm -hmm. is like a language level exploit, which you know oh. carried a bit deeper implications, right? So a language level exploits should have like a way bigger impact, obviously, than like a protocol level one because multiple projects are built using uh, the language, right? So so kind of how big was this one, like wise, <laughs> like across the space? Yeah, so you know there, there were a couple of uh, there were a couple of big names in particular that got hit, right? Like there was there was JPEG, Alchemix, uh, Metronome, and Curve. It looks like mm -hmm. and. Um, you know, so some of these were white hats. Some of the some of these were were just straight up, um, you know, black hat exploits. Um, for those that don't know, white hatting is where somebody actually like steals the funds before actual hackers can and then returns them. But um, nice. yeah, so in, in terms of like the actual scope, uh, I think it ended up being fifty nine contracts across like nine different networks that were found, mm -hmm. um, and then there were about a dozen distinct authors there, right? Um, so yeah, not not a ton of individual. Um, not a ton of individual companies were hit by it, but you know, of course, if you're using a bunch of contracts, then those will all show up multiple times. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, and and some because some of these projects are so big, the it's it's got a lot of cascading effects, right? Right. Um, yeah. I mean, go ahead, Charles. Oh, I was gonna say, is there a newer, um, like this was a? Is there an update of Viper that doesn't have this bug? Am I remembering wrong? But there was some. It was like a, it was an older version of Viper that, like, some projects who use Viper now, they weren't affected because they use a different version. Am I completely off base? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so oh, for, okay. for anybody okay. that's uh, that's thinking about writing Viper out there, the versions were uh, 0.2.15, 0.2.16, and 0.3.0. Um, now we're on 0.3.7. So it was it was fixed oh, okay. uh, a while back now, 
but mm -hmm. yeah, it was just these these like three distinct versions just had this this kind of bug in it, and it actually got fixed in a refactor. So it, that's that's kind of how it went like under the radar, right? We didn't we didn't see it at first, but yeah, I sorry. So I hate to try to blame anyone, but like, how could this have been avoided since it was known the bug was in those older versions? Um, like, it, you know, who who could have done what to try and like make people aware of this before um before the contracts were exploited yeah totally so so there's a couple things that that could be done differently for sure um now for one um as far as i know i i'm not even sure that like we were aware of this bug like i, I wasn't aware of this bug um in, in these particular versions um you know sometimes a refactor happens and some some bug that was there goes away um now maybe incorrect on that one right like, like i said I, I don't know i don't know the details of like who did what there um but yeah, in terms of uh, you know, in, in terms of how we can prevent this in the future, um, of course, there, there's going to be uh, stepping up of tests within the Viper compiler itself. Um, so making sure that the tests are more robust, making sure we're testing more edge cases like this so this doesn't happen again. Um, there's also on an individual developer level, I think there's a couple things we can do. One is just writing uh, more tests that um, basically we don't assume that the language is going to get everything right per se. Um, so things like arithmetic, things like this reentrancy thing, right? Like these are the things that maybe you should write an extra test or two for, right? It, it would take a couple of minutes, but you know, doing doing that, going the extra mile, you know, would would uh, be really helpful. Um, and then finally, if you've if you ever heard, you know, people that are kind of on the the infrastructure side of you know crypto, they always talk about client diversity, right? Like, oh, we should have like multiple clients, multiple nodes, right? Because if there's a bug in one, it's a problem for everybody. Um, same goes for languages, right? There's not a whole lot of languages on the EVM right now. And, you know, having more out there would kind of mitigate that risk, right? Because today it was Viper, but what, what if it was Solidity, right? Like there's a lot of TBL in Solidity. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think diversity and improving tests are going to be like the, the biggest factors there. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, that's a that's a good point that you kind of want to have the diversity of of programming languages because of you know you don't want one exploit to impact the whole sector right but isn't kind of the one of the problems is that viper doesn't have a lot of people working on it so you're not getting it as thoroughly tested um by pros um sort of yeah there, there's not as many people directly contributing uh, to Viper, as far as I know, I, I might be wrong on that one, but um, I know like Solidity has like a very like extensive testing framework. They they do some really great work over there. Um, of course, Viper is going to be stepping up, but I, I think there's a yeah, it's it's tough whenever you have a ton of languages because there's not a lot of compiler engineers in the space right now, right? Like it's a very thin overlap. Um, so yeah, it, it would definitely kind of spread resources a little bit more thin, but I do think it's also important, you know, not, not just for the sake of security, but for the sake of like exploring new ideas, right? Like there are things that are possible uh, that like Solidity just doesn't implement that would make like smart contracts even better, right? Like mm -hmm. that nobody really implements yet. So yeah, I, I think that diversity is definitely net positive. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, hopefully that, that kind of attracts more compiler engineers to the space. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, cool. I think uh, I think that's a good point. Um, like, you don't want to write off new languages, right? Um, new new products built in new languages, but you do probably want to proceed with a little bit more care. I mean, Curve was huge, is huge, you know. So it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of wild that they got hit with this um, using something that isn't Solidity, but, right? Yeah, I kind of want to talk specifically about the curve one here a little bit because it's got a lot of drama around it. You know, people were already kind of 
angry at Curve because of Michael Egorov's 70 million borrow on Ave backed by Curve. So people were like, what the hell, man? Uh, in traditional finance, we'd look at that as like uh, like an exit, right? Like you, you were essentially borrowing against most of your company's stock generally because you want to like get out. You know, it's like your second raise. Um, but, you know, it didn't help that this exploit happened. I believe it had a flash loan attack element to it. Um, yeah, so I, I mean, to, to like full full disclosure, I haven't like uh, you know looked into to the actual like guy that, that's doing all this this stuff a whole bunch. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I'm, I'm more on the, the technical side of it, right? But um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, it's it's pretty unfortunate the the whole timing with it all. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's tough, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah I get it. I've gotten a lot of questions, um, people asking if the funds will be returned. And I'm like, well, I have no idea, but my default always is no, you know, like mm -hmm. very rarely does do a bunch of projects get hacked and then, and then funds are returned. Like very rarely is the goal of a hacker to hack in the hopes of getting some reward for returning it. It's like, usually they're going to just take it. Um, and spend it or you know <laughs> buy a house right. how ironic would that be yeah, yeah I mean, watch it through pulse chain yeah yeah definitely like there there were some white hat uh white hats out there um that you know did, did some pretty good work but yeah in, in terms of like the the black hats and kind of the next steps i mean definitely like for, first and foremost just just assume that it's gone right like it's um, you know, it's, it's best to like not keep yourself up at night with this if, if you were affected by it. But, um, you know, kind of, kind of more on like the technical side of like how this how this kind of thing might, um, you know, proceed. Right. Is, uh, you know, if you're, the, if, if you're the hacker, let's say you just get away with like these millions of dollars. Right. Um, you know, you you got to You got to play it tight for the rest of your life. Right. Like the objective at this point is to not get caught until you die. Right. Like after, after you die, whatever. But you, you got to make it last for a couple decades. And like that's that's scary, man. That's hard. Right. You're looking over your shoulder. You're. you're constantly hoping that you don't mess up on chain one mistake and they're going to find this person right and i ideally right which i think we saw this with the euler hack uh, a couple months back right where like they basically found the attacker really really quickly and they were able to put the pressure on and and you know that this sort of like group of uh group of attackers were like all right like let's let's just send it back let's be done with this um you know generally companies will offer some kind of bounty like look keep keep five percent keep ten percent give the rest back you know we won't we won't press you any further right now that's still not a good uh that's not a great outcome as a hacker, right? Because like now, now you might have to deal with the law anyway. But uh, mm -hmm. yeah, there's I, hopefully between like the pressures and and the other things that they got going on. Hopefully, you know, we'll be able to get some of these funds back. But yeah. so, you know, we recommend if you find a zero day and if you technically mine it out there, what what should you do? Should you white hack it? You don't really want to take the risk just straight out stealing it. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely say like white hatting is like the very, very last option. Like most people should probably not do this because it's very, very easy to get this wrong. And if you do, you're going to be held liable, right? So um, first and foremost, most companies have a bug bounty program, right? So you can go to their website or you can go to like an aggregator like Immunify. And uh, generally it'll say like, hey, if you find an exploit with like this level of severity, we'll give you like a million dollars, right? And, and this has happened like quite a few times that the payouts in, in crypto are, are pretty amazing for these bug bounties. Uh, but let's say you can't you can't find that right um definitely what you don't want to do and i'm not even going to name the companies and people that did this but definitely don't go on the twitter and and tweet the explicit details of the exploit Dude. right 
Um, like I said, not, not even worth saying these guys' names, but um, yeah, definitely like find a way to get in touch with the team if you can. Um, generally, they, they have somebody that's that's docs that you can find, somebody that has an open channel somewhere. If you absolutely cannot do that anywhere else, I would say go to somebody else who's like a professional white hat first, right? Yeah. Uh, that, that guy I mentioned earlier, P. Conversaccio, is like amazing at this kind of thing. Um, he's helped out a couple of times with, with these kinds of things. So if you know somebody in security, do that. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, maybe I saw, I saw some of these tweets and it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, yeah. I don't understand how you can hit Let me the, give you the blue send button for, and not the have this occur to you that maybe uh, sending it out to the world is a good idea. Yeah, um, totally. And and there's yeah. definitely like a time and place for it, right? Like there there is a place for like these research exploits where it's like, you know, look, this is what an exploit might look like. This is what a reentrancy attacking contract might look like, right? Like totally. But but the right time is not while the attack is ongoing, right? So it's yeah, kind of from, from where I was at, um, I was still like aggregating contracts at that point. I was trying to like help out by by finding contracts that had these like um that, that was that was affected by this bug. And like while that's happening, that's when I'm seeing these tweets. And I'm like, are you serious? Like we don't even know the scope of this yet, right? It was yeah. Big misstep. Big misstep there by a company we shall not name. Yeah, guys, you should reach out to coffeebabe.eth if you have to find a professional white hat because uh it's a coffee babe. Uh I bring that up because I that was like the only white hat I saw. She rescued five point four million. Um, so you know, what's that like? Not that much. <laughs> the seventy million. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to do what you can, right? There, there are even mm -hmm. some cases where, uh, you know, so people have talked about like generalized front runners, right? These these mm -hmm. uh, bots that find transactions that are profitable and, and copy them. And there are actually a couple of these front runners that like accidentally exploit protocols because they front run something that looks profitable, but it was actually an exploit, right? And so oh. um, a lot of times those guys will give the money back as well, which is which is pretty nice. But again, interesting, right? Yeah. The one time you love an MEV. Yeah. Cool. So I kind of want to talk now about the impact of those curve loans. We got people asking about them. Uh, feel free to hop in here, JT. Um, but basically what I got here is there's not enough liquidity on chain to handle uh, liquidation of Igorov's 70 million borrow on Aave. You want to give us some details on this, Charles? We got people saying Justin Sun saved the day. He's kind of a hero in crypto. He's kind of like our anti-hero, dude. Dude, that guy. I don't know. <laughs> he's, uh, yeah, I won't say anything to Justin Sun, just in case he's watching. Um, yeah, so, you know, like you mentioned, he, he took out this massive loan. And, mm -hmm. I mean, the first thing is that he was irresponsible with it. He did actually buy a house. Yeah, this um, is it. Yeah, that's um, it's a pretty oh. gross house too. Like, like have at least have some taste if you're gonna. You think this is gross, dude? I would live. Here. I don't know the the front that the the back looks nicer, but the front is just not my taste. Anyways, so he, <laughs> yeah, he buys his house. He buys his house, no and then something like this reentrancy attack happens, um, and now. You know, you've got hundreds of millions of curve sitting on multiple different uh, lending protocols mm -hmm. and not enough curve in pools to be able to support some liquidation that um, might happen. So um, it was pretty like, okay, so this morning, 
on the Justin Sun point. Um, <laughs> yeah, I need a bigger house. Um, on the Justin Sun point, he, he did buy um, some curve OTC. Uh, so there were several different individuals, entities that bought curve from Michael um, OTC for 40 cents, which is obviously lower than the market price. Um, and this morning, Michael was able to pay off a good portion of his loans on several different um, lending protocols. But we're not out of the water by any stretch because he still has to pay off the rest. And it's like there's a lot of uncertainty around curve, as you can see. So mm -hmm. there's also a lot of other people in the space that are trying to liquidate him, um, which I would argue is also irresponsible but I guess understandable. Um, mm -hmm. But it's it's just scary because he's racking up interest on his debt. Um, and especially like yesterday, last night, um, with his Frax Lend position, Frax's interest rate model um, is, is a specific one where they have a kink. Um, but once you start to get into the 90s, like the, the mid to or, you know, low to, to high 90s and up to 100%, it is exponential what the interest rate is. So at 100%, his um, debt would have doubled every 12 hours, wow. which would very, very quickly liquidate him. Um, <laughs> That's crazy. And if he, gets, if he gets liquidated on one, he gets liquidated on others because obviously huge dump of curve, mm -hmm. it crashes and he starts getting liquidated everywhere which isn't even possible because of the lack of liquidity. So it's like you basically all of the um, lending protocols are at risk of uh, accruing just tons of bad debt. And who knows if they'll be able to um, sort of recover from that because it's such a huge amount of money. Um, mm -hmm. So the Frax Lend one was a really hot topic last night because it's like it very rarely is at 100% exactly. But his interest payments were through the roof. And it's like he had to do something quickly. Um, and so that's what these OTC deals were. And he he paid off Fraxland first, I think. And then he paid off some some of his Abe loan. He's got a big loan on inverse finance. Um, so like, uh, and I have, I have his wallet here. Um, maybe I should share that. Yeah, throw it up. Uh, um, but I would be keeping an eye on Curve's price, his trying to stay on top of news, keep track mm -hmm. of his wallet. I would be, I would not expose yourself to these lending protocols uh, right now, just to be uber, uber safe, even if it's not related to like the curve token or, mm -hmm. or on mainnet or anything, just like, this is a very dicey situation. And it's, uh, I heard he took a, I heard he took a loan against his house uh, to provide liquidity back um, or provide some, some more, uh collateral for these loans the word was escaping me there so good for him that's some good faith right he's not just running off with it uh yeah up there okay nice um and john steps makes another good point um fraxland has isolated um markets so uh yeah luckily that wouldn't i mean they would have to try and find a way to yeah. I mean, the bad debt would be isolated to that market. Obviously, they try to have to try to figure that out, but it mm -hmm. wouldn't leak into the other markets that they have there. Um, 
so yeah, you can see. So if you look at his portfolio, um, you can see all of his positions here. And, um, you know, these numbers were a lot bigger. He paid down a good chunk of them. He's at, you know, like it's fine, I guess, but <laughs> I guess. it isn't fine. <laughs> it isn't fine because it's such a, he's like, he's such a target now. Mm-hmm. And everybody knows what's going on and who knows what other actors are going to be doing to try and, um, you know, liquidate him for some personal benefit of their own. Um, so there's the Abe position. Um, he's got one on Abracadabra. Like, so, I, I don't know. It, it's yeah. So talking about keeping your eye on the price of curve. Um, I think you told me before the show, he's probably going to get liquidated at 40 if curve hits 40 40 cents right that's like the number to keep yeah. an eye out for i think it's i think it's 36 cents now but yeah so okay. something something around there mid 30s yeah it's more collateral of these things yeah dude that's crazy man that uh people are trying to hunt him dude they're trying to liquidate this yeah some true it's DJ. like i don't know at what point do we it's really hard to balance like the ethos of DeFi mm-hmm. and I don't know the behaviors of people with hundreds of millions of dollars because like, you know, he's allowed to do this, but mm-hmm. it's such like, it's such a systemic risk to DeFi when you have someone who's borrowed more than uh any chain can support liquidity wise. You know what I mean? It's like, he's Mm -hmm. got so much curve. It's like, there isn't even that much curve on the market. Um, It's a really hard problem to try and figure out how to prevent situations like this without compromising the, um, like the openness and, you know, it's all just runs on code and math and everybody can just sort of do what they want within the confines of the law. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know. This uh, whole situation yeah. is full of bittersweet irony because the language Viper had those built-in don't shoot yourself in the foot uh, structures to try and prevent, uh, you know, like reentrancy attacks. And then we got the Curve founder guy here in a thread uh, not even like a month ago, a couple weeks ago saying, still shocked I haven't yet been ever affected by DeFi hacks uh and then he's having to eat his own words in a big way it's kind of brutal man kind of brutal out there watch what you say out there dude maybe uh someone just wanted to prove him wrong (laughs) whoever's writing the matrix that we're living in is really trying to test or test us here with the the sbf bald thing which i guess we'll talk about a bit (laughs) and Mm -hmm. like the curve founder it's like don't put that kind of hex on yourself um you know don't uh throw we'll that in you better plan. knock on hundreds of trees or else mm-hmm. <laughs> you're gonna get yeeted i i shared another if you want to throw this up oh yeah um you can look at the liquidations on DeFi llama mm-hmm. and you can see uh this giant candle here um that's cool looking which yeah liquidations at 36 cents so this is just mm-hmm. ave obviously they're um, I guess other other protocols we're talking about aren't supported yet on DeFi Llama, but like huge, huge liquidation at 36 cents. Um, so whether that comes first 
And then other, you know, I hope none of it comes, but like 36 cents could easily be hit by one of his other positions getting liquidated. He just, he basically, he has to come up with more cash. Like he's not under the same kind of time crunch that he was last night um, mm -hmm. because the utilization on Fraxland has gone way down um, since he's been repaying it. But he, he has to find a way to um, pay a lot more of this off or else people are not going to stop paying attention to it. Um, yeah, he's gonna have to you know, get on his hands and knees and beg Justin Sun to help him out to give him a different type of loan. Yeah, yeah, crazy stuff. So my big takeaways from this conversation so far, from what JT's saying, what you're saying, Charles. So you know, inherent smart contract risk and everything. Even a big project like Curve is susceptible to you know things because you know these languages aren't completely there's a lot to programming right so they're not completely trawled through right there's a lot of risk some would say black swan in that you don't know it's a thing until it becomes a problem right and then also curve keep your eye on 36 cents if it hits 36 cents that's doomsday baby <laughs> uh, I mean, maybe yeah, consider yeah. you know make a donation to this guy hopefully he pays you back <laughs> donate to Just, the yeah, make a mortgage payment for him yeah like let's um, say like he is liquidated. What kind of uh stuff can we expect? Dude? Can we expect like fucking everything to implode? Like FTX, I mean, the fallout effect. Uh, I mean, oh it's man, hypothetical, it's so... Charles. Feel free, go go crazy, and JT yeah. free. Feel free to to jump in and tell us what what the doomsday scenario would look like. I'm thinking uh, everything in the world goes to zero. <laughs> <laughs> S and P 500 is. Yeah. One cent. Um, I don't know. It's like, especially with Ave, it's such a huge protocol. Like those are the, uh, I guess, third order effects or second order effects is every single protocol that's um, touching these initial lending protocols. It's going to be bad because like, you know, say inverse can't handle the liquidation um and yeah like their token system with dola i don't know i don't know it i'm i would need to do some more thinking on it but like pools that are have dola in them could be affected mm -hmm. um ave pools would obviously be if i don't know it, like you can imagine the spread of contagion that happens if ave somehow I don't know, goes under, like, is that even like, my thinking <laughs> is that a bunch of <laughs> my thing is that with protocols this big, a bunch of VCs are going to come in mm -hmm. and backstop, uh, which I think is going to be way more preferable to them than letting everything explode. Mm -hmm. um, I think, you know, inverse has some VC backing. Um, maybe Danny will come in and save Abracadabra that happens. <laughs> um, but like Ave definitely like I just think there's going to be some sort of like liquidity backstop coming from some wealthy people with vested interest um, mm. if, if it does get to that point um, because uh, yeah we're praying, praying praying on the rich guys saving us if it comes to that pretty much I, gotcha. I mean like the VCs are like the government money in DeFi uh, <laughs> truly so living under sad a as it is yeah nice nice. Um, yeah. Uh JT, I saw you unmute. Uh not to put you on the spot, but
but I hope we didn't talk over you. No, no, you're good. Um, I mean, definitely lending markets aren't, uh, definitely not my, my specialization by any means, but, um, yeah, I don't know, man. I think, uh, you know, regardless, I think there's still going to be tons of people ready to pick up the pieces, even if this stuff does fall apart. Right. No matter yeah. how, how far the, uh, that sort of contagion might spread. Um, yeah, we'll just be on the ground. Yeah. We keep on trucking regardless. We survived FTX. We could survive this, right? Yeah. Hell, we might even survive Binance going under if that happens. <laughs> but God. moving on, moving on. Scenarios. About... This is the doomsday show. Yeah. I mean, there's hope, you know, like you're saying, I don't, I don't think um, it, it's, there are people that it's profitable for to keep him alive, essentially. Right. So there's a good chance they will, they will keep these loans alive. And like you were saying uh, earlier, the health of those isn't that bad. Isn't that bad? Yeah. I mean, we, we've been in situations, two. yeah, we've been in situations like this before where you have some huge whale or some founder who is like on the brink of getting liquidated and somehow they sort it out um be- through their rich connections mm-hmm. um so that's like what i see happening um and it's already happened with the otc deals and stuff like this so yeah. um you know like it, you know somewhat luckily as depressing as it is the massive people who are causing these problems are are have the most in like best vested interest in in making it not happen mm-hmm. um and like keeping the ball in the air uh so to speak Keep um the and there's also some opportunities for uh like well okay i don't want to sound like an idiot but like there's some other opportunities for other protocols who you know have curve voting power to somehow like i think what did Michael do? Anyways, I haven't looked into this enough, so maybe we can do a follow-up uh, once I <laughs> yeah. do more research. Once we get some clarity <laughs> on it. Yeah, 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 interesting stuff. Summary for Yaron here, who's 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 seems like he maybe just came in. Uh, Curve Founder's got a huge loan. It's at risk of being liquidated. Um, massive, massive, massive loan. And if it is, uh, you know, it's very damaging for the lending protocols he's active on and for Curve curve price would uh dip considerably um but yeah so i kind of want to move on here to another tragedy another tragedy here bald uh so this bald token is forced a rollback on base chain you know coinbase's uh highly anticipated chain right launched on the op stack correct charles yes yeah have they rolled it back though i saw brian armstrong said we're gonna roll it back I think that was a parody. No way. I don't want to call you out. I think it was a parody because I got trolled, bro. Come on. I think you got I think you got trolled. I don't think they're rolling anything back. Um I, I don't think they should either. Like, oh yeah. Um as shitty as the situation is, but I think it's a I think it's a parody. Uh, but in any case, uh yeah, like <laughs> base launches and there is a one-way bridge to the chain. Um, for, you know, like a week. Um, I'm not sure when they're allowing ETH withdrawals to other chains, but uh, um, sorry, got distracted. Oh, yeah. Um, there's a one-way bridge and immediately the first projects to to launch are just mm-hmm. a bunch of shitcoins and 
Yeah. Uh, real quick, I want to thank JT. He's got, he's got to jump off real quick. Sorry, JT's got to jump off. So I, I want to thank you, JT, for coming on. That was really helpful explaining all that to us. Um, and love to have you back sometime if we get more into EVM stuff, because I know you're an EVM genius, bro. Yeah, totally. Thanks for having me. Uh, if you want me to hop back on, let me know. Cool, man. Thanks, man. Have a good one. Yeah, you too. All right. So, um, sorry, Charles. Yeah, thank all good, yeah. Um, thank you, Stephen. Uh, Stephen says 9th of August apparently is when the the two-way bridge is going to be be live. But essentially, you know, tens of millions of dollars of ETH went to base, mm -hmm. and a lot of that got yeeted into shitcoins, um, many of which rugged. I mean, I think people were just like, uh, <laughs> they already have a tomb fork. <laughs> That's hilarious. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, I think a lot of people are just desperate, like, um, desperate to, to buy something on the chain. Um, I think so much ETH got bridged and then everyone's like, okay, what can I like do with this? Um, and so this coin called bald gets launched, I think mm -hmm. referencing Brian Armstrong's head. There was also a Brian meme coin. Um, but yeah, bald just like pumps insanely. Uh, and then uh, rugs, or more specifically, withdrew a bunch of liquidity, bought more bald with it, and then supplied that liquidity back and made a difference of like $5 million in ETH. Um, and then had the gall to tweet out that I never, I think the, the account, the bald account said, I never actually sold bald. All I did was like, like withdraw and then supply more liquidity. <laughs> which is just like i don't know yeah uh an amazing <laughs> troll slash i withdrew oh, the liquidity so the price would tank and then i could buy it back buy tons put price. the liquidity back and just make the difference probably um, the most degen like, thing you can do with your rug money yeah, yeah. even more degen is tweeting that i that never sold it. <laughs> it's like the amm sold for me yeah um I mean, look at this chart. It's disgusting. It makes me sick in my <laughs> stomach to look at this thing. But yeah. yeah, I mean, I remember seeing some stories. Some guy made like millions of dollars. I wonder if he pulled out. Probably not. He's probably crying now in the shower, <laughs> uh, trying to soothe himself. Crazy stuff. Him dude. and uh, him and Dogecoin Millionaire have moved in together in mm -hmm. a, a studio apartment, and they're consoling each other on what they could have had. Mm -hmm. uh, um, so. It, yeah, Go I was going to say the interesting there's some interesting conspiracy aspects to this, right? There's a wallet that's tied to Alameda that uh, was supposedly launching Bald Token, right? The, the, the founder of Bald Token, <laughs> the originator. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, the whole conspiracy was the wallet that launched it. It had a bunch of interactions with Alameda um it was like uh, a a big player in dydx governance and sushi governance mm -hmm. um and that his that you know sbf that seems like him because he mm -hmm. that checks all of his boxes as well um and then also there was something about his tweets looking a lot like the bald account tweets but i don't know that like totally Totally mm -hmm. speculation, huge conspiracy. I definitely don't believe it. Um, but again, like someone in the matrix 
someone typing all this our lives into code is like fucking with us because <laughs> oh yeah there's a lot of coincidences that are like what the hell why is this um why is this happening why uh, is this happening oh, that's the question why is this yeah. happening as you're making yourself go bald you're pulling all your hair out <laughs> man yeah so oh. the, the the conspiracy is it's either trabuco or sam but it doesn't really make a lot of sense that it's sam because i mean one he's under a lot of scrutiny two they got him living like it's 1995 right yeah throw that tweet up i just uh oh yeah you got it here nice um, yeah, so Tiffany Fong is, uh, I don't know, like his manager or something. She's like mm-hmm. been a part of him transitioning to being a criminal, um, <laughs> living like a criminal. Um, but yeah, guys, SBF hasn't had access to a normal phone or laptop since April, 2023. He basically uses a flip phone. He doesn't have access to the regular internet. You know, like this is way, I don't know. I, I just can't imagine even if he could possibly do it, I Mm -hmm. don't know why he would, you know, like I get that he's kind of a sociopath, but I don't know. I just don't, I can't follow any line of logic that makes sense for him Mm -hmm. to like do this. Um, Intimacy manager. Exactly. Yeah. You know, maybe she's in better than, uh, (laughs) (laughs) but like, you know, yeah, it just doesn't make sense. And then, I liked I liked the part about him having like a a rivalry with Coinbase and like this mm-hmm. is his way of like trying to get back at Coinbase. Which, yeah, I mean uh, that that is like, I mean, it's fucked up if that's true that he would do that. But also mm-hmm. kind of a little badass. He's that vindictive. He's like willing to risk uh, getting his <laughs> bail revoked just to get it's back a at a guy. Yeah. yeah, some super villain shit. Yeah, yeah, that's like so wild to do. Um, you know, people are saying like, you know, that charge was dropped, so obviously the court seems favorable to him, but I don't know about that. I mean, dropping one charge, I feel like if you violate the judge's orders, that's kind of a little uh insane, but maybe he's just crazy enough to do it, SBF. He might just <laughs> be crazy enough to do it. I mean, maybe yeah. he's just like as a give he's like fuck it. I don't have any, you know, like my life isn't going to get any better. Let's just like, Mm -hmm. let's just do one last hurrah before I'm in jail. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, No. Yeah. I I don't, I don't believe this. I don't believe that he is behind bald. Yeah. Uh, But it's entertaining. It's entertaining nonetheless. Um, And I mean, I don't know what, what makes me kind of sad Mm -hmm. is that I think base is like really promising and the op stack is dope coinbase has a lot of users um and like there's going to be a lot of really good projects going there um and for this to be like base's first you know entry into the market is just kind of sad because how many people might write it off or like it's just a huge stain on like I think it's a bummer. You're right. It's a bummer, but also just proves it's real crypto, baby. You're not a real chain <laughs> until you've had some, you know, scammy token launch. I mean, so, that's a good point. It's it inevitable. Like proves how like open source it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's a pretty good point. Uh, and I'm sure people will just forget about it pretty mm-hmm. quickly. 
but I would say this. I'm st- I wouldn't sleep on base chain because of this. Like you're saying, it's still got a lot of really nice prospects out there. Lots of people chomping at the bit actually to get on base. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah. And I, I think I think there's gonna be a lot of liquidity drawn there. And I think uh hmm. I think it's gonna be a happening ecosystem eventually it's um, happening it's gonna be happening baby it's gonna be, it's gonna be groovy as hell <laughs> it's gonna be popping off yeah man uh, yeah all right so yeah uh, you want to hop on on this radiant breakdown we're kind of getting crunched on time here dude it goes so quick that was it such really a does. well you're Four covering minutes, the yeah. news baby it's it is quick i don't know how walter cronkite did it <laughs> what was his big slip on uh he had some big like Okay, I have a pastime of watching news anchors mess up, and I really enjoy it. <laughs> and he said he had like a huge like slip. Um, what did he say? Uh, I don't know. He said he said a very bad word that maybe I won't say on mm-hmm. on this. Just oh, he cursed. He cursed. Um, but it's just really funny to hear it in his voice because he's got that like big booming. Anyways, sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on to Radiant. Um, so yeah, oh, let's break it down. He said, okay, no, this is worth saying. In 1974, <laughs> he signed off with, his sign-off was always, that's the way it is. But this time he said, oh, wait, no, I'm getting trolled again. Never mind. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I hate getting trolled. <laughs> and it's happening to me you, all man. the time. I know, right, I'm yeah, so gullible too. I just, yeah. No, let's get um, on Radiant. Let's get on Radiant, right, dude. Let's go, let's go. Okay, Save so Radiant. <laughs> uh, Radiant, specifically Radiant V2. Um, mm-hmm. So it's an omni-chain money market, which means that uh, they are allowing for um, deposits and borrows on different chains. So you can supply an asset on Arbitrum and you can borrow another asset on uh, like BNB. Um, so omni-chain money market. Oh, that's interesting. Um, that they're, they have they have most of their liquidity is on Arbitrum. Um, it's uh, they have somewhere around two hundred million TVL. Most of it's on Arbitrum. A good chunk of it's on BNB. Um, so those are the two chains that they're on. They just passed a governance proposal to launch on Mainnet. Um, so I think that's coming very soon. Um, but what allows them to do this omni-chain stuff is through Layer Zero. So they are integrated with Layer Zero. Um, and layer zero is a messaging protocol that basically, um, can connect smart contracts from different chains and pass messages, um, from, from different chains. So, uh, radiant utilizes layer zero to be able to have these positions on, um, on like two different chains, uh, or, or more. Um, so that's the, the, the intro. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a couple things yeah go ahead if you have a oh i was just gonna say you know i i think that's really fascinating that seems like a really nice innovation you know i've mm-hmm. heard about layer zero but i hadn't actually ever seen an implementation of it and uh now that i see it i can see why it's so sexy dude the idea that i could deposit on say like you know ethereum and borrow on arbitrum boy that's not that crazy but i could deposit on ethereum i could borrow on bnb that's pretty crazy dude yeah, so All they're trying place. to, yeah, um, it's it's pretty awesome, and they're trying to make this standard that layer zero set um, 
which is the standard of OFTs, which are omni-chain fungible tokens. Um, Radiant, RDNT, is an OFT, um, which means that whatever um, layer, layer zero is integrated with, um, your token can basically just go seamlessly um, around to different chains without needing a bridge. Um, oh. So it's a burn, it's a burn mint mechanism. You could call it a bridge if you want, but layer zero is just met is just passing messages between chains. Oh, okay. Um, and this OFTs, yeah, OFTs can just like go anywhere. Um, that when that you when you initially explained this to me, I wasn't quite getting it because I was like, how could I? How could they bridge ETH? You know, back and forth, but they're not bridging. They're bridging OFTs, and the more things they have on OFT standards. Because they have the power to mint and burn, they can just essentially like mint it on another exchange and then burn it on the existing exchange. Yeah, or the existing chain. Yeah. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Very um, cool stuff. Very cool. Not uh, as not as uh, vulnerable security wise. Yeah, totally. And there's a lot of comparison between Layer Zero and Axelar. Axelar is a slightly different um, design. The Axelar is actually a blockchain that connects to other blockchains. Mm -hmm. um layer zero is just like an interoperability protocol anyways it's it's all under this layer zero um you know lowercase layer zero thesis of mm -hmm. get rid of bridges we need you know interoperability protocols or networks that are going to connect um that can that cannot be um single points of of uh attack failure yeah. something whatever those so words are let's get into kind of like why you would ever want to hold this their token you know i mean we see why you could why you'd want to use the project but why would you give a damn about the token mm -hmm. yes um okay so uh some an innovation that they have designed are these dlp tokens so they're dynamic liquidity tokens is what dlp stands for mm -hmm. um and it's they're designed to bring utility to the token and drive some sort of natural demand um, for, for holding that token. So as you're seeing on their front end, those radiant emissions, if you want to receive emissions for borrowing and lending, you need to lock up a DLP token. Now in Arbitrum, the DLP is um, an 80-20 pool of radiant to ETH. Um, that's from Balancer. On BNB, it's a 50-50 pool of Radiant and ETH from PancakeSwap. So they're LP tokens that in order to get the emissions from uh, borrowing and lending, you need to lock a DLP. You need to lock a certain amount of DLP tokens into Radiant to be able to receive those emissions. Um, so like one thing this does is just sort of align. They're trying to align uh, token holders with uh the protocol they're trying to attract as many sort of believers in the protocol as possible and create sort of a big base of long-term holders um and the other thing with them being lp tokens is first of all it's probably regulatorily uh compliant or more compliant mm -hmm. than single staking is uh and it keeps liquidity in a pool so like liquidity for the rdnt token is very deep and it's going to remain deep because um, as long as people want to use the protocol, they're going to be locking their liquidity into this pool to get those, those emissions. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah. Okay. So that's, that's one purpose for, for locking DLP is getting the emissions. 
yeah. from, from the markets. Um, the other thing they receive are protocol uh, revenue. Mm -hmm. So which would be borrowing fees, flash loan fees, and liquidation fees. Um, so DLP lockers receive 60% of all the protocol revenue. Um, and that's, you Pretty know, nice. distributed linearly over a week. Um, mm -hmm. so you get the, your, your, you get exposure to the success of the protocol through their, um, fee generation. And then you also get governance rights and I won't talk about governance too much here. Um, but you, you can look into their, their governance system if you'd like. Um, but yeah, the, it's just like, they're trying to build up as much utility for their, their token as possible. And I think, uh, it's, it's a really cool system. Um, yeah. I want to throw yeah. you a curveball here. Do they Let's have go. any competitors with this innovation? Is are they are they the first uh, to implement this cross chain borrowing? <clears throat> Excuse me. Oh, uh, yes. What's that product? Oh, Tapioca Dow. Mm -hmm. Tapioca Dow <laughs> does. <Okay. laughs> they do cross chain uh -huh. uh, borrowing lending. Radiant is a lot bigger. Um, they're pretty large. I mean, they're at like. Their market cap's like 85 mil or something. They were over mm -hmm. 100 for a bit there. Um, they're doing very well. Tapioca, I'm not sure what how big they are. Um, but Tapioca does a lot of stuff as well. They do like cross-chain lending, borrowing, plus a bunch of other things. They've kind of got their their hands in several pots. But mm -hmm. no like significant competitors, in my opinion. Um, okay, I just looked at Tapioca, <laughs> Dow. This is, this is the trippiest... Uh, crypto site I've ever seen. That's pretty awesome. Oh my God, they paid the front end developer a lot. They invested a lot in the front end. Let's see here. Okay, oh, teleport. All right. Yeah. Okay, I'm trying to find out how, how big we're talking about. Radiant, for God's sakes, yeah, <laughs> you're showing bad, their competitors. Uh, it doesn't seem like they have anything at all. I mean, maybe I'm crazy here. But okay, yeah. Back to Radiant. Um, yeah, let, let's uh, let's sum it all up for everybody here. Yeah, okay. So um, let's see, where was I? Okay, um, some specifics. Uh, in order to receive emissions, you need 5% um, of your total deposit uh, in dollar value in a DLP token. So if you have, if Corval has $100 worth of ETH, in the protocol um, to receive radiant emissions, you would need $5 worth of um, the LP, the corresponding LP locked in the protocol. And that obviously is um, variable. So like if the price of ETH uh, rises, um, then you are not going to have enough you're gonna to have to lock more dlp similarly if 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 the price of radiant rises you'll be above five percent so it's it's like a balancing act where um people who are receiving emissions they have to keep keep track of how much dlp they have you know if they're if they're right at the five percent mark mm -hmm. um but that sort of leads on to my other point is how they they manage this um the dlp uh lending and borrowing and DLP relationship is they have these things called disqualification bounties, which I really like where users. Okay. So to continue on with our example, mm -hmm. if you have, let's say you have 
um, you know, $6 worth of DLP and $100 worth of ETH. Mm -hmm. So you're supplying ETH, you're receiving emissions because your DLP is above, above the five. minimum, above 5%. If, let's say, the price of ETH goes skyrockets and you drop to 4%, other users can scan the protocol um, for you or whoever else who is below the threshold Mm -hmm. who's no longer eligible for emissions and they can kick them off um pvp so, yeah it's pvp and they're incentivized through bounties um to that's how it's maintained so other users usually they're they're probably people who have built uh um like bought bounty hunters you know mm -hmm. that just kick users off who who aren't eligible anymore and they get a bounty for doing so um so that's how it's maintained and they have bounties for other things as well. Um, but like the, the eligibility for emissions is like the highest priority. So those are always going to, it's going to be maintained in real time, basically. Um, but anyways, I really like the disqualification bounty system because it's just mm -hmm. like more like socializes the, I don't know, it's kind of like a gamification aspect to it that it seems to work really well. And um other users are like can can be rewarded for maintaining the the protocol. Yeah. So um, this is a very novel money market lending platform. Um, it's got a unique uh, locking system and some unique incentives for doing so, and an interesting kind of that the disqualification thing going on. We've already had people doing liquidation hunting, but now we got disqualification hunting. We're making this more adversarial every single day, baby. Crypto is becoming a more wild wilderness where you can be headhunted at any moment. Uh, you'll love to see it. <laughs> yeah. And I love to see Mr. Got Plenty shouting mm -hmm. out my progress in the explanation. Uh, <laughs> you know, Mr. Got Plenty. Front. He's great. He's coaching you to success, dude. I love it. He's rooting for me. He's rooting yeah. for me. I'm trying. You are my motivation, sir. Every week. Like, <laughs> yeah, oh, I want to thank Mr. Got Plenty too. When we started the broadcast, he gave me some very complimentary words about my mustache, and I really appreciate it. Work hard on it, baby. Um, right. So I want to close off Radiant, and I want to open up something else. Something, a Pandora's box, maybe. Uh, you know, Commander-in-chief of the Hexicans, Lord and Master of Pulse Chain, wielder of the BBD, a.k.a. the Enigma, Richard Hart himself, is now under the crosshairs of the SEC. This champion of cryptocurrency is now being assaulted by the most despised institution in America, the SEC. Um, let's get into why. So they say that... He misappropriated appropriated millions of dollars of investor funds, had unregistered crypto securities. I mean, who doesn't nowadays? Unregistered crypto securities and uh, raised more than a billion dollars. So they're saying that he, this is the interesting part to me. So obviously he did promotion. So he was like, they, he was like shilling is what they're saying. Um, ooh, where's the part here? Uh... Oh, yeah. So he essentially washed funds. They said he recycled transactions, meaning he just generated fake volume to make uh, Hex and Pulse seem more active than they were. Um, he essentially embezzled uh, money 
from Hacks and Pulse to buy the BBD, the, uh, the biggest black diamond in the world, uh, aka the Enigma. And, uh, you know, he bought cars, he hit the Louis Vuitton store, he was just spending money like crazy. So, Charles, I mean, how does this make you feel, dude? Is this warranted or not? Like, I mean, he raised all this money, shouldn't he be allowed to spend it, you know? <laughs> it I mean, isn't he his money. He bought the diamond for Hex. He was like, "This, I'm buying this for the community, is what he said. This yeah. is going to draw more attention to us. Did he say that he was buying all of his Gucci and his private debt for the jet for the community no nah, but he just deserves that he's oh, if he only had said that he'd be in the clear yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he'd made it clear early on like i deserve this yeah i mean i, I mean got more dirt here. this is from a, a typical hater though so i mean maybe we should take this with a grain of salt but some of this is pretty damning here um this guy truth labs aka boring sleuth i mean yeah mr clean you're right richard has no choice exactly. but to come on block fights now Look, he's a friend of the show. He should just show up and clear his name, right? Like, just let us know what's going on, man. Like, I don't know how likely that is. Um, you know, he's he's on the ropes, you know? Yeah, and John Steps, I wanted to mention this. Uh, I was unaware of this, but Richard owns nearly 20% of all die. Uh, so that's kind of spooky. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of spooky. He's got this big trial coming up. They're probably going to freeze all of his hex and pulse money. Uh, oh, I did not know that. What? Charles is stunned, dude. <laughs> I am stunned. Oh, my God. I've been trying to ignore this, man. I'm sorry. I, I had to unplug That's the problem, dude. You can't ignore this guy. He's a showman. I no. should have I should have had the picture ready of him in the top hat. He's a handsome fella. I like I like what he's doing there with the uh, his presentation. I might start mimicking some of that here on on block bites. But getting into more of the crimes of Richard Hart, quote unquote crimes, supposed alleged crimes. Uh, this guy Truth Labs is saying that after major every major exploit, uh, Richard Hart would send an on-chain message to the explorers to try to get them to wash their funds through his chain. And he provides this example here. Richard sending uh, in response to IARAE, the exploiter can bridge to Pulse Chain to mix through Hurricash while simultaneously, and this is how it makes you think it's a Richard Hart message, making 100x from the Pulse Pump. Huge privacy and upside potential with very little downside risk. It's a no-brainer if you scam, right? You just go to Pulse Chain, you make 100x just by holding Pulse stuff and then you get off, you know? Dude, this freaking industry. <laughs> John Steps is scaring me here. John Steps says he, he's got over 750 million in die. Dude, that's a lot of money. <laughs> you know, I was saying 5 million is not a lot. Uh, that's because he got numbers like this floating around in the hands of the harpster himself. Um, Every day. Yeah, and so another allegation here, and the SEC is charging him for this one. The SEC isn't necessarily getting on him for sending messages, soliciting people to commit crimes on his project, but they are getting on him for uh, Sybil attacking his own thing, right? Uh, I don't know if that's truly a Sybil. He, he made like thousands of wallets so that he could farm Hex and Pulse himself and get more airdrops, right? Uh, they provide this uh, completely impenetrable diagram to laymen like me. Uh, to show that, 150 million should cover the legal fees, right, Wally? Um, yeah. So, thousands of wallets to farm hex and pulse chain. 
Uh, he withdrew over $50 million in Pulse Chain sacrifice funds already at this time. This is another thing. So if you remember when Pulse Chain was about to launch, he's saying to everybody, send your token, send your ETH, send your Bitcoin to this wallet, and we're going to burn that wallet, and you'll get a proportional amount of Pulse airdrop to you for how much you put in, right? So it, he did not, in fact, burn these tokens what he did was he uh withdrew them to his personal account so you're essentially paying richard directly for him to give you a pulse in a proportional quote-unquote proportional ratio uh which was probably not you know the best deal considering richard owns like 70 percent, 75 80 percent of all of the pulse out there like there um, couldn't there couldn't be a more like mm -hmm. cut and dry scam like it isn't even a Ponzi because a Ponzi is like more like has more steps than that. It's literally yeah. like, give me your money and I'll give you something that I made up <laughs> basically. It's like, yeah. So oh my God, this, this thread, you know, I'm not too sure how much I want to trust this guy. He's like pointing out the connections to CZ. Um, but his name is yeah. Truth Labs. So yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard not to trust him. His name is Truth Labs. Come on. And he led through God. Yeah. So I mean, look, he's a pious fellow too. So, but yeah, frightening, frightening stuff here happening to our friend of the show, Richard Hart. I hope he comes on the show. I hope he clears the air. I hope he lets everyone know that uh, he was just kidding. He's gonna give the money back. It's cool, dude. It's fine. Bro, every day in DeFi is like a huge roller coaster of like the highs of looking at awesome tech and thinking about how cool it is. And then mm -hmm. the lows of like, it's just all a complete joke. A complete <laughs> total monster like, a, guy, a guy straight up in a top hat, wears a cape, comes through and <laughs> steals all your money, dude. dude like a like fantasy a, villain. A series of like DeFi from 2020 to whatever on netflix would be like the greatest story of all time don't, don't give away our next show dude our next yeah. next block fight series where to walk you through every single scumbag <laughs> that has operated yeah. on chain and you uh, know what yeah Mac Hawk, that's a good that's a good point man like you know there's some i appreciate if there's some level of like all right you know what at least you're uh I don't know. <laughs> At least you're just doing, you're just stealing, you know, you're not mm -hmm. trying to hide it behind some convoluted mechanism. You're just taking people's money. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's some, I forgot the word, but that's somehow admirable. <laughs> no, it yeah. isn't. I hate the guy. Fuck him. I want to, I want to <laughs> really, uh, let people know, you know, if you love the show, if you like, even if you like the show, maybe even if you hate the show, Send Richard Hart a tweet. Adam, say, hey, come on Block Bites. We'll give him a fair shake, dude. I'll hear him out. I want to hear what's going on. I really would love to have him on the show because he's just a great entertainer, dude. That's his strongest suit is he can he could sell freaking he could sell uh snow to an Eskimo, dude. I don't know if that's offensive now or not, but dude, that's yeah, yeah it uh, yeah, oh, never mind. I was gonna use the sand <laughs> one, but it's equally as offensive. <laughs> that's even worse. <laughs> He could sell water to a fish, and he could there sell worthless tokens to bag holders. Yep, it's true. Anyway, um, yeah, that would be an epic show, dude. We could become the new Coffeezilla. 
by, we do the by pretending to play nice, inviting people on the show, and then getting getting them to incriminate themselves live. Yeah, I just want him to teach me how he does it. I want to learn his methods. I want to turn him to yeah. good. He is <laughs> anyway, kind of a marketing. Uh, I kind of think you know. I kind of think he holds a power, an artifact of immense power. You know, the Enigma Diamond, the biggest blackest <laughs> diamond in the whole world. He's holding this artifact. I think the SEC just wants it. You know, they That's want true. that want that diamond because they know what it's capable of. Whatever it did, it powered Richard Hart up enough to scam people out of. Whatever it is, it powered him up enough to get seventy hundred fifty million dollars worth of die. <laughs> so <laughs> it's got it's doing something for him. There's something to ge to gems and crystals. Like they really they give you the energy, and that is the <laughs> ultimate crystal. You know yeah, what? Maybe that... he's they're coming after him because he's finally figured out a way to build a car that's powered on diamonds and the Ooh. oil, the oil industry is <laughs> shutting them down. They're using the sec to, uh, yeah. Anyways, <laughs> if, if Richard Hart did the Akon thing where he built a city powered by his own tokens, I think that would be the next step for him. And I would move there. I would move <laughs> there. And then I'd hope this whole city is powered by the diamond. Like we're in Sonic and it's a chaos emerald or whatever. I hope yeah. it's a, I hope it's just a cult like everyone. It's like wild wild country, but it's Richard Hart as the Bhagavad Gita. He's got a good name for it too, Richard Hart. Yeah. That sounds like a you know, it sounds like a cult leader kind of Hart. You know, anyway, yeah. Dick Hart. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I mean that's pretty much all we got for the show, Charles. Unless you got some more to say about Richard Hart, I just wanted to let bring it attention. You know, the sky needs their support. So, <laughs> yeah. Anything else, Charles? Big Red um, Podcast happening in like 20 minutes? Uh, no, Big Red Podcast. Um, I have to set up uh, another episode. It's taken a bit of a backseat, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. um, I, but yeah, it, yeah. Uh, I'm doing a lot of spaces with um, the Oath Foundation recently. So got a lot of media things going on. Mm -hmm. um, but when something pops up, uh, like the Veldrum, Veldrum B2, that was a good discussion to have. When something pops up optimism related, I try and get an episode together. Um, but unfortunately, no big red tomorrow. I, I was going to say I wanted to shout out um, Revelo, Revelo Intel, um, for their very good research um, on, on protocols because their breakdown of Radiant um, was pretty much all I needed to get to know the project. So anyways, oh, yeah. if you guys are thinking about a Revelo subscription, just a random plug. I just appreciate their research. So I, I, I'm on there all the no, time. I'll, I'll co-sign that, dude. Um, you know, the price was a little, was a little, it was a little pricey, right? Mm. But when I got in there, it's super valuable, dude. Like the breakdowns really, really good research. very easy to follow, really easy to navigate. And it's all on like one page, you know, I'm not having to jump to like different random fucking medium articles. <laughs> like it's all in one place. Um, so really, really, really helpful, at least for, definitely for that aspect. And, you know, they got a lot of other aspects to it that I haven't really explored yet, but the protocol breakdowns, super helpful. Helps them prepare for this show even. So good stuff. Yeah. Um, and I want to plug uh, our show tomorrow. Charles, you want to come back tomorrow? Dude, um, I do want to come back. Guys on. Yeah, I know you love those guys. I do love those guys. I might not be able to make it, but mm -hmm. I'm gonna let you know. Um, but it's gonna be a great show regardless. So uh, yeah, word up. We're gonna talk a little bit of macro. So a little change of pl a pace, 
uh, but they're macro aficionado, so it'll be a good chat anyway. Um, oh, yeah. That's about it I got. Um, and let me uh, have a tagline prepared this time so that uh, we have a graceful transition to the exit. Um, this has been a Block Bites broadcast. Good afternoon and good luck. <laughs>